if your manager is saying, Jim, I want you to take on time off. I'm, in fact, here's what I'm, my expectation is for the least amount of days I think you should be taking off. That's a really good sign that your, your manager is valuing the things that you can bring above and beyond hammering on a keyboard. It's the thinking time. It's the problem solving. It's the solution gathering. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So, so what's going on? What's new on your side? Well, I'm eating. There was a whole interesting conversation yesterday on Twitter on what is acceptable versus not acceptable to eat uh, on remote meetings. <laughs> and I was thinking through it. I'm like, man, I've eaten some weird stuff. I remember one time I, I think we were doing a podcast or something and I was trying to eat a big old messy plate of uh, pasta. Oh, I remember that one. That was funny. <laughs> So now I'm now I'm going to be conscious about what's in my teeth or eating my. Well, if you here. if you get me ranting on something, that'll, that'll give you a couple minutes to, to take a few bites. <laughs> it took like the whole hour to get through that plate of pasta. <laughs> like I was it like, did. A bite here, a little bite there. Yeah. So that was that weather. It's beautiful outside, but cold. It's like forties. I'm re- I'm ready for some some seventies. You know, got the mm-hmm. lawn furniture out want to hang out outside just a little too cold mm-hmm. so soon yeah it's raining today but the next couple of days are supposed to be supposed to be nice so i'm hoping to to get outside and work out yeah. on the patio yeah that would be super nice yeah i've had some good uh, meetings out on the back deck Something oh they're always being on the air yeah yeah that almost gave me, um, and it's we're, we're we're a little too early into the the cold open, um, but it, it almost gave me a good me to do a good segue into our our topic. But I'm not going to quite get there yet because it's not fully on our on our topic. But uh, lot, lots of conversations the last few days um, on Twitter about um, just the expectations of work. Uh, mm-hmm right the work from home and 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 all of that and it's it's amazing to me and i i i think it's important to try to put on the beginner's mind hat every once in a while and realize that you know people have drastically different experiences and different things that they they see but even still it's hard for me to like grasp this whole notion that Working literally is meaning I'm staring at my computer sitting in my office chair. That's, that's what work is. And mm-hmm. I just, it just isn't, that's part of it, right? That's part of a much bigger story. And, um, the past year, uh, Evan, the point has really pushed me to get out of the house more and do more walkabouts in the Hills and just be out in nature. And I will say some of my biggest breakthroughs and ideas have come not sitting in front of the keyboard. It's just being outside wandering around. And how can you not call that work? You know, I had a really good boss, um, I don't know, two or three jobs ago. Yeah. 
he, he would get on my case often primarily because we were a billable hour model. <laughs> so we had to account for all my hours, but he was getting on my case uh, in a good way. Um, and he would often come to me. He's like, well, wait a minute. Like, I know you came up with the solution or I know you solved that. You know, why don't I see that in your timesheet? And I'd say something like, well, I did, you know, I came up with that while I was in the shower. <laughs> you know, it's like I wasn't sitting in front of my desk, so that doesn't work. He's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, it solved a client's problem that created value for them. We need to bill them for that. I don't care if you were in the shower when you thought of it. That That's the work you were doing for that client at that time. Um, but most people don't think of it that way. You know, if, if you're not literally sitting in front of your keyboard and typing, um, you're not doing work. So mm-hmm. anyway, well, that's a side. Well, no, you, you bring up a good point because one uh, recently or well, recently, relatively um, <laughs> back in January, I had one of those moments while I was outside shoveling snow. I had had a conversation with you a lot and then it was snowing. So I'm like, I'm going to go out and shovel as I'm shoveling you know, my mind starts to wander on what we were talking about. And that's where I came up with the idea of what we're going to start rolling out to clients in the next week or two as, Mm -hmm. as a tool to better manage engagements, you know, getting out of like your, your typical Jira ticket paradigm, a, a better way to manage it around the way we structure our engagements around the experience of analytics. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it, it came to me shoveling and I came in, I, I had to start writing it down and putting it together. And I even messaged her that night. I'm like, I just thought of how we do this while shoveling snow. <laughs> Let's talk more tomorrow. Yeah. It's amazing how often that, <laughs> that happens. And and how do you account for that? <laughs> you know, like thinking of the billable hour model, like how do you account for like the fact that there really is a hard separation between work and not work? And again, unless you're the asses and C is dictating that model. Um, I did, I had a, I had a job working at a collection agency in college. Um, I never want to work in that industry again. That's a sleazy, slimy industry. Um, but I, I wasn't doing collections. I was kind of their IT kind of, if anything broke, Jason had to figure out how to fix it person, um, on, on that team. And, um, they were having a problem with this MS DOS application that was, that they used to enter in, um, uh, checks that were non-sufficient funds that they were assigned to collect on. And, um, I literally had a dream about the solution and I woke up in the morning. I'm like, I got to go into work and see if this works. I'm like, this is crazy. And it ended up working. <laughs> That's like in a billable hour model. How do you like, what, how does that appear on your line items? Like, I don't, actually don't even know how long I was dreaming. So I'm not sure. Do I call that an hour or do I call it 30 minutes? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a funny, yeah. well, funny extreme, ever- but. Yeah. Well, did I ever tell you about the consulting firm I interviewed for like 14, 15 years ago over, uh, um, they're, they're over in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you about this one? I okay. So. I thought, um, so, you know, I go, I go for the interview and like everybody in the office is wearing suits, like shirt, tie, jacket, suits. And, you know, they had a formal dress code of shirt, tie, jackets. Like this is, a, a technology consultancy. And I mean, like right then and there, I could tell right off the bat that like, they're all about the image, mm-hmm. the image where they can bring in prospects into the office and say like, here's, and, and they were, they had the open office model before it was a thing. 
know, here's, here's our army of consultants all in suits. And because they're sitting at their desks in a room like this in suits, it means they're highly polished and highly professional and are the best at what they do. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I, you know, like I, I get it. There, there are certain lines of business that call for, you know, that level of, of dress, like that, that level of appearance, I get it. And you now there's people that are, you know, that, that desire, you know, that that's how they want to present themselves and Hey, Hey, go for it. But, but don't tell me that those folks sitting in suits at a desk for eight hours a day. And Oh, by the way, up on the wall was like an activity board. Who's actively working on what I, you can't tell me those people are more, prof- you know, those people are, more productive than someone in even just khakis and a polo shirt. Like if you want to say, we want to have a business casual dress code, you know, no jeans, whatever. Like, again, like I'm sitting here in shorts. Um, you know, if, if you want to have that great, but like you can't tell me that they're more productive, more, more professional. And just a reminder, Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. So if you want to, yeah Hawaiian sure you can do that no it's an it's an interesting conversation and my funny story that goes along with it is um <clears throat> I was working in an office and I hope the guys at, from this company aren't listening to this episode because they're actually really good guys but it's a funny it's a funny story I was working in an office and relatively f- small company so we were all in one floor of this this building um it's not like we were spread out over multiple floors multiple rooms like we were all in the same area um Mm. and you know engineers have an interesting way of working if you've ever worked in an office near engineers they're a different cut they they Uh they just Mm-hmm. They, they just born different, you know, and, um, you know, the engineers wanted their little part of the, the floor to be comfortable and u- unique to them. They wanted no lighting. They wanted the windows closed. They wanted some of their, you know, their eclectic stuff around their, their computers. They wanted it to feel comfortable to them. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of backlash in the, um, in the company and it was mostly around the lighting. Um, and, and, the lights being off was unprofessional. Um, so what some of the engineers started doing was building little, uh, I guess, tents or covers <laughs> over top of their cubes to block out the light. And that's where things kind of broke down. And it's like, we, we can't be doing this. The, the, um, the, the, the reason why is the funny part of the story is that we need to look professional in case any of our customers come into the office. We want to give off a professional image and i sat back and thought to myself we're an online dating company who's who's (laughs) coming into our office that signed up for a pro like someone's mad that they signed up for a profile and they're not getting dates so they're coming to the office to you know air grievances like what customers of ours are coming into the office and we need to look professional for them i just i always thought that was funny but i mean the guys that ran that were good were good dudes but it was just a funny thing Mm mm-hmm Oh, it's crazy. To keep up appearances. I I do not miss the office whatsoever. I don't miss. I mean, what I miss is the people and the interaction, like just the people, people, not like the work people, not the work personas, not the, the egos, the politics, like all that company nonsense. I don't miss that for an instant. I, I miss the people and I miss just kind of the, the hanging out and I, and I miss, a lot of the serendipity of, of being in the office, but 
the funny thing is, or maybe the sad thing is, is that a lot of that serendipity is the opposite of what management wants to happen. So the things that we as employees miss about the office are the things that typically managers are trying to, to lock down, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just bizarre. Thing. I was thinking about this uh, the other day, um, thinking about some of the, because I, I think it was yesterday, so I put a tweet out about um, autonomy and managers worrying about people doing um, laundry at home. Um, and I thought, you know, these are the same managers that were worried that um, some of my friends and I, we, one of my jobs, we had an irrigation canal behind the office and we'd get popsicle sticks and craft boats and we would go out in the afternoon and have boat race, you know, in the, in the, in the irrigation ditch. Yeah. I got shut down by management. That, that wasn't happening. Um, mm-hmm. I was, a, I was an omniture one time and a, a few of us, um, started every, every other Friday, we started tailgating out in the parking lot. Nice. And yeah, we brought in like little portable grills and we'd run over to the grocery store and get like stuff to cook up and sandwiches. And we did it during lunch hours and it was mm-hmm. so much fun. No management. We're, we're not, we can't have that. That's, that's mm-hmm. not going down here. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. When I was at GSI <laughs> commerce, uh, a few of us started grilling on, on Fridays and you know, we didn't do this early, the tailgating, but um, the, the George Foreman grill, Mm-hmm. And so the way it started was, um, they, they converted this one office into like a space for, for three people. And then I sat outside of that in, mm-hmm. in a cube and two of the guys brought in the George Foreman grill, started cooking up steaks. And I'm like, I really don't care if you do this, just invite me, please. Like mm-hmm. they have like two or three weeks of them doing this. And then this other guy, George jumps in. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So what we would do, we did it every Friday at lunchtime. And every week it was somebody else's turn to go out and get the steaks. So we all rotated. We all went out and got, you know, four, four steaks for, you know, one for everybody. And at lunchtime, we'd fire that bad boy up and we, we grill steaks. Well, the whole back of the office smelled <laughs> like steak. And some people started complaining. Like, they yeah. can't do this. This is unproductive. This is unprofessional. And at the time, like the four of us, um, we all had different responsibilities. But like the four of us together were just like, we were, we had so much work going on. Like we were working crazy hours. Uh, like I was working weekends at points and they went to our boss and she is like, no, do you understand what we're asking him to do? How much we're asking him to get done? If this keeps them happy. That's shut. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, awesome. she, other people, other managers started complaining and yeah. she came to our defense and was like, no. But then when eBay bought GSI and they came in, that that got the kibosh because yeah. that that apparently having a George Foreman girl in an office along with a refrigerator and one of those little panini makers was uh, was a fire hazard. Yeah, I got in trouble my first job out of college um, for having a small dorm fridge in my in my office mm-hmm. um, because apparently apparently it was uh, a fire hazard that was not accounted for, so I couldn't have that in there. But, you know, these, these are, these conversations are all interesting around kind of managing, managing to, to risk. Um, and it's, it's just crazy because you, you try to think about what happened that caused them to put certain policies in place. The same job, um, I moved, I literally moved cubes from one side of the room to the other. And I ended up moving my computer over and I got back in, in the morning and had this nasty, nasty note from facilities that, I was not to move that equipment that they're, they're tasked with moving. I'm like, 
what bad thing went down with having an employee move a computer? Like, did they slam the monitor into the ground and break it or something? And now there's a new rule that employees can't be trusted moving it or man, corporate. It's such a Mm. shit show. (laughs) It is. It is. So I guess now's the time. So what was uh, your segue into, into our time? That's long been passed. I think I segued into like us, us complaining about all our frustrations with corporate and I lost, mm-hmm. I lost track of where I was going. Um, yeah, because wh- what were we talking about? We were talking about like different office perks and working from home and, and, and all of that. And the topic today it's you know, you were mentioning various conversations. And so this is one I want to pick back up with a conversation we actually had on Twitter over, over the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, someone had asked you a question and you looped all of us in yeah. on our thoughts. I gave you my input on it. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm going to take credit for getting you really to, to think about this because it goes back to an episode we recorded two years ago. It was titled, um, and I'll link it up in here, uh, is unlimited PTO actually unlimited? Well, that was and two years ago. That was two summers ago. We did a series <laughs> of like episodes, you know, themed to the summer and we talked a bit about it again last year, but you know, I've noticed since that, like, it was just a genuine conversation, like, or a genuine yeah. question, like, is it really unlimited? Like, is it, is it a bait and switch? Um, and, and I remember you walking away genuinely thinking like, I really need to rethink of our, our time off policy. Because yeah. this is a really good question. Like, is paid time off actually something seems valuable, or do people see it as a way to cheat around something that's earned? Um, and we've had many, many conversations around that. So I want to bring it back up to talk about unlimited PTO. Um, because that was the the Twitter conversation this past weekend around like how do you manage unlimited PTO? Um yeah. and um I'm trying to remember the exact question that was asked, but it was like, kind of like, well, what does your team think? And it was, it was around like, how do you manage to it? Minimums versus maximums. Like, okay, it's unlimited within reason. Um, How do you make sure that people are actually taking advantage of it? And my response is, is when it comes to unlimited PTO, I am a huge fan of, if you're going to offer unlimited PTO, it comes with a minimum. You know, yeah. it, you know, I'm offering this benefit so you could take the time off that you need throughout the year to make sure you're ch- recharged, you're not burned out. And with that, I expect you're going to take X number of days, which come to Y number of weeks. So I expect that you're going to take at a minimum 20 days off, which co- turns out to be four day, four weeks a year. Um, plus, you know, beyond that, but at a minimum, you take that amount of time off and I'm going to monitor it per quarter. You know, are you actually doing that? And then, you know, that model still provides flexibility. Say someone wants to take off every week in the summer or not every week, um, every Friday of every week in the summer. So every Friday from the beginning of May to the end of September, they're doing a four hour or four day work week. Um, You know, it's flexible to that versus someone who's like, yeah, I'm going to work my ass off from February through to the beginning of June because I want to take a, a three and a half week road trip with the family. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make sure everything's aligned and set up so that things can pretty much go on autopilot while I'm gone with say like minimal oversight from, from folks. Um, 
So, and I think kind of, you know, that's kind of what I'm a fan of. I think it allows for, for both kinds of situations. Um, so really I, I want to revisit, I want to kind of see over those two years, since we first had that first conversation, you kind of had that moment of like, Oh yeah, like is unlimited PTO. Does it actually have a bad rap? Kind of want to see where, where you've been thinking since then. Yeah. And so circle back to that. Um, it was really eye opening to me, uh, because I, I honestly, was was really taken aback when the backlash came around the fact that unlimited time off was seen as so toxic and um, really against employees' best interests. And so I spent a lot of time trying to think about why that was. And I and I believe the conclusion that I came to is is a really actually sad one, is that as employees, we have learned to have an, a massive amount of mistrust of the management teams of and the policies for the companies we work in. And to me, that's a sad conclusion to come to. But that that really is what what I came to thinking about all the backlash around unlimited time off, because when we had the conversations, when we talk about it, um, it wasn't the healthy conversations around, you know, making making uh, employees feel safe about taking the time off they need. It was more around, no, 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 this is by design by companies to like screw employees out of what they've rightfully earned. And I'm like, that, that's sad that we're going to that extreme with so many things. And that's why I was taken aback so much from the conversation, because that is not why we decided to put in a unlimited time off policy. We, we, we put it in because we wanted to give full autonomy to our employees to manage their their day, their schedules. And what better way to do it than saying, I'm not going to make you manage towards a certain day. You have the autonomy to manage your, yourself. That's the approach I came to it from. But when evaluating it, it's clear that so many people, um, and, and probably all of us as well at some point in time, had been kind of educated to, to have this massive mistrust of policies at the corporate level and our and the management team that that manages those policies. And 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 it's you know, PTO is just part of it. There's it's, it's across the board in so many different conversations, employees have an inherent mistrust of the companies they work for. And I, and I think that's just an incredibly, incredibly sad place to, to be in work. Um, so number one, that's kind of the conclusion I came to was one, I was shocked Two, we need to think about and figure out the right way to do it because we still believe that having an unlimited policy is the best way but maybe there needs to be a bit more structure and communication around it. And I'm completely open to thinking about that. And we have done a lot of thinking about that. And finally three, that um, our vision to create a refuge from all of this nonsense we see at the corporate level, it, it reinstilled that, that purpose that we had um, in building the company that we truly wanted to be something different. And I've seen it time and time again, where I talk about what we do and the policies we have in place I'm, I'm less shocked now when people, you know, fight against that and kind of want to backlash on me on that because I understand they're coming from a place where they've heard that a hundred times before and a hundred times before it was a bait and switch. And I, I truly believe we're, we're building something different. The problem is how do you, how do you do that with employees that have been, have been so hurt in the past? That's the hard part. Right. And I'm going to, I'll come back to, I'll come back to the time off policy, but I want you to think back to when you joined and some of the conversations you and I had, you know, and a lot of them were around, I got to reprogram Jim a little bit here because he's like, he's like this hurt little animal. And he's like, I'm trying to 
say, Hey, this is okay. And you're like, no, 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 it's not okay. You know? And I, and I remember, I, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Lego or whatever, but there was some mm-hmm. was Lego. Yeah. It was, um, the, the, this one Lego artist, there was a display going on downtown at the Franklin Institute. And it was like the last week. And I, yeah. I kept putting it off and I'm like, is it cool if I, cut out for like part of the day on Wednesday and you're like and it was yeah. something crazy like can I leave can I stop at four because I really want to go to this I'm like what are you talking about I told <laughs> you like dude I, I trust you to manage your day like I I, I want to know what you're doing because this sounds really cool so share it with me but you don't have to come and ask me for permission to do this but again like you had been taught the opposite like oh, what, yeah. what you were hearing from us did not align with what you had seen from your previous history Oh, like I, I think back and like the brainwashing goes back to where I was in college. I'm going to flat out call it what it is. You know, the, the, the brainwashing into the, the, the industrial revolution style, sit at your desk, stare at your screen and punch out widgets. Yeah. Uh, whether they're physical widgets or digital widgets, push them out. Like I, I think back to my internship with the baseball team, we joke about it. We have a lot of fun about it. I still look back. It was one of the best and worst experiences of my life. I, I did some things that. I've never had a chance to do again. Uh, but at the same time, the general manager was a micromanager, like to the extreme, to the point where we would be in the office at 9 a.m. And then if the team was at home, not only did we do our office job, we, you know, we worked and worked the game with the game day staff. And mm-hmm. I wasn't getting home until 11 o'clock at night. So I got my ass chewed because one afternoon after a very long homestand, I'm standing there talking to somebody else and he happens to come walking through and I got my ass chewed out because it's like, well, why aren't you working? And it's like, oh God, I can't take 15 minutes to just clear my head. So like I think back to that. And then I was going to jokingly say like, and then my first job out of college, again, great experience, but some learned what I would call today, bad habits. You know, I I worked for accountants, (laughs) you know, and like the, 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 the president of the company was an accountant and he was that person. If you're not sitting at your desk, typing away at something, you're not working. Um, and so, yeah, it, it kind of built in those bad habits of, you know, you know, you, you have to schedule your, your, your time off, um, before, you know, before, you know, you have to make sure it's approved before you can actually do anything. Um, you know, very, very rigid PTO rules. And it's interesting, even now today, like I have a couple siblings who they still work for people that have like very, very rigid pay time off policy. And I'm just like, I get my shit done. <laughs> and I turn around and say, you know what? Next weekend, um, I'm cutting or next week. I'm cutting out on Wednesday and I'll be back the following Wednesday because we decided to take a last minute trip. Everything, everything's going to be taken care of before I go. You know, it, it, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Yeah. So to get back to your, your question on, sorry, what, you know, thinking about the time off policy and what, what we're, we're looking to do. So, um, you, you and I have been talking about it as well. I I think the important part is leading by example and, and also setting expectations on what we expect there to be. So part of it, we kind of dictate that, um, from a end of year. So we shut down, um, around Christmas time and we have a good, what, 12 days off or so. I think that's an awesome opportunity (laughs) for all of us just to be out. So we don't have to worry about, you know, having someone cover for us. It's just, we have that. 
Um, and then from the unlimited side, we, we've just kind of left that open-ended, but the discussion around, well, what are the expectations? It's something you and I have talked about as far as like, well, we probably should set at least a quarterly expectation. And we should put that number out there and we should expect and hold all of us accountable, myself included, for taking those days every quarter. Um, and one of the things you and I talked about is making that vis- visible in some kind of a dashboard so we could see, like, are people taking the time off they need? Um, and you and I kind of went back and forth on it a little bit. And one of the things we kind of concluded on was, let's make that account down to zero. Um, let's say, you know, it's X number of hours a quarter. Let's put that in as the counter. And then as people take time off, it takes away from that counter until it hits zero. And then it stays at zero. Uh, because on the opposite side, one of the things I want to avoid is I want to avoid um, people worrying that they're taking too much. So if we set an expectation and then they breach that expectation, are they now conscious of that and saying, well, maybe I shouldn't take any more? And that's not the case at all. And, and that's always been my concern and trying to balance this just completely free and open um, perspective of being able to manage your time off versus giving some expectations. While I love the expectations piece because it gives someone something to work towards, I don't want it to be um, a stopping point. I don't want it to be an artificial ceiling because we can't foresee everything. You know, maybe something amazing comes up. Maybe there's something really cool that you want to go do. Or maybe we just get burned out and say like, I need a few extra days. The last thing I want to have happen is for them to have hit their um, expectation number and then use that as an excuse on why they shouldn't take that time. So it's, I think it's a very, very important balance to have in that conversation. And while people say that the easiest answer is just give people an expectation on a minimum number, that minimum number, unless you're very, very careful on how you manage it, all too often becomes a maximum number. And that is mm-hmm. what we're absolutely trying to avoid. Yep. And, and I, I like that because as we started talking about the dashboard on Monday, you and I, we, we, we started chatting about it. You know, you had mentioned the countdown. And it, it made total sense when you said it. Cause I'm like, you're right. Because then it's like, okay, I, I've, I've, I've taken too much at this point. I took, you know, say the numbers, you know, I'm just gonna throw it out there for argument's sake, 20, 20 days. We expect over the course of the year, in addition to the quarterly shutdown holidays and whatnot. Oh, I've taken 24. I, right. I've taken too much. I can't take any more time. No, that, that, that's not the point. And honestly, part of the reason we had this conversation two years ago was I pretty much took off the most of the month of April mm-hmm. uh, for, for paternity leave. Um, you know, clients were totally supportive of it. You know, the people in on the team were, were supportive of it. I, I, I took it off and then was able to turn around and take like a week and a half at the shore, yeah. in, you know, at the beginning of July. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like, you know, some places where, oh, I burned all my vacation on paternity leave, not, not taking a trip this year. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's what I want to avoid because what we have found and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. And I'm having this discussion on, on Twitter this morning, um, more generally around the concept of autonomy, but you have this, this split in how management thinks about being able to give employees this level of trust to be able to manage their, their schedule. And you have one group of managers that manage and these are the micromanagers it's the lowest common denominator it's the Mm -hmm. we have to think of every bad thing an employee is going to do to misuse this policy and then we're going to use that to manage everybody 
Um, those are the those are the ones that are thinking about all of those little nuances and building in even in situations where you may have something like an unlimited time off. They put so many policies around it. You might as well not take any time off and and you're 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 not really gaining the value of that um, that you should be. And then you have this other group that that fully embraces it and they embrace it because they've seen what I've seen. And that is when you allow employees to have this autonomy, number one, just having that trust and filling that trust from your management team, I think goes a long way with employees. But then when you would then allow them to actually execute on that trust and take the time off, the creativity, the value creation, the just the things that they're able to do are on a level higher than I've ever seen before. And so it's just, it's just this amazing kind of counterintuitive concept that the more time employees take off, the more value they end up creating for the company. And it's not a one-off. I've seen it time and time again. It always seems to work. You know, and Jim, you're talking about like these extended periods of time off. If you were to look at it from a, well, what did Jim accomplish that year? You would think, well, Jim probably didn't take any days off, you know, like the amount that was done and the value of what was created in that year is just substantial. And anyone from the outside looking in and saying, oh, Jim must have been working like 12 hours a day and never taking time off. But it was the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, you're taking all the time off you needed. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like um, when I talked to Hila the other day, um, you know, she's mentioned multiple times how like when people come back from taking time off, like they have like they, they have this rush, these rush of ideas mm-hmm. because they're not they, they've gotten away from the grind of the, the day to day. And honestly, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, just being able to like go somewhere away from the computer. Like just, you know, with a notebook, a tablet, something, go away from the computer, from the desk, from the routine and just being able to think because people think like that thinking and idea creation comes when you sit down at the computer, you got your hands on the keyboard and you're ready to go. No, that's when you have writer's block. You don't know what to start with. Yeah. It's when you're away from that. Also, and the ideas start to flow and it's like, get me a notebook. I just need to start scribbling stuff down. I'll organize it later. Yeah, and I think how your manager reacts to that tells will tell you a lot um, as a as an employee what their focus is and what's important to them. Because um, what you're saying is absolutely true, and it's again proven time and time again that that's how it works. Um, so if your manager is rejecting it, it's it tells you that you're really seen as a cog in a machine. They're not looking for Jim to be creative. They're not looking for Jim to come up with new ideas. If, if they were, then they would support this, this model. But the fact is, is that we have to be honest that lots of employers and lots of management really aren't looking for that out of their employees. You know, they're saying, I just need Jim to come in and crank out work. I need him to be a machine for 40 hours a week until he runs out and we'll replace him with another machine. You know, and, and if that's how it's, if that's how it's looked at, then I think it's, it's very clear that your contribution as a creative thinker, as a problem solver, as someone that can help change the way the business works is not being valued. And, and so you, you know, that's something you really need to take a long, hard look at as an employee to say, man, you know, maybe I like the people I work with. Maybe I even like what I do, but I don't know that I want to be working in a, in an environment where I'm just seen as a part because I can be so easily swapped in and out. 
And this is where we see so many toxic policies come into play because we see managers using them as a way to treat employees less humanely. And, and that to me is concerning. Now on the flip side, if your manager is saying, Jim, I want you to take on time off. I'm, in fact, here's what I'm, my expectation is for the least amount of days I think you should be taking off. That's a really good sign that your, your manager is valuing the things that you can bring above and beyond hammering on a keyboard. It's the thinking time. It's the problem solving. It's the solution gathering. If, if they're supporting you in that, it's a pretty good, um, it's a pretty good chance that they support you and, and value what you can bring much more off the keyboard than on the keyboard, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I think if we look at it within just the, the, the microcosm of paid time off and mm -hmm. coming with, with a minimum requirement, it backs up the term unlimited. It, it says we mean it because I mean, there, you know, I think we mentioned it earlier. I'm trying to remember some of the stuff we said when we were kind of on a rant, uh, but we definitely mentioned it last time. It is definitely a bait and switch in many cases. It's a bait and switch in the, the fact that, yeah, it's a limited time off, but you're going to get either get the side eye from your coworkers for taking yeah. time off during that time of year or taking too much time off or you're, you know, you're taking more than a week off. Uh, it, you know, it's the, the culture doesn't back it up. We're setting <coughs> yeah. a minimum. You know, the culture then backs up the statement of, yeah, we want you to not have to worry about the red tape around paid pay time off or worried about limitations on it, um, depending upon if, if certain things happen during a given year, you know, it, it'll be there for when you need it. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Um, and I had a train of thought and, oh, um, I don't want to lose it because it was a good one. Oh, so you mentioned about the side eye from your your colleagues or your your team. Um, it, it's actually a really really valuable conversation to to have because oftentimes it's not the policy that's the problem; it's the team or the management that is the problem. And mm -hmm. and this is a perfect example of that. If employees are fearful to take time off, if they're getting um, unsupport from their teammates if they're not getting the support from their management and they're kind of well oh jim's taking time off now or he's doing this then it's it really says more about the management and the people you've hired and less about the policy itself and and all too often i think that it gets thrown out with what is it the baby gets thrown out with the bath water the bath water yep right like we're throwing out the policy is bad but really it's the people that are bad that are enacting the, the mm -hmm. policy. And so I think we need to be really, really careful when we, we have those conversations and saying, is it the policy or do we just have really crappy management and have we hired really, really bad team members? That needs to be a valid part of, of the conversation around whether we're talking about time off policies or, or anything else that needs to be part of the conversation. Um, one of the other things that um, has come up a lot um, is why I was talking about this on Twitter. One of the questions that I think was the most popular is, well, how do you avoid, and this mostly came from either business owners or people that were people managers in larger businesses. They would ask me, well, how do you make sure that your employees don't take advantage of your generosity from a time off perspective? And, and for me, I think, again, it comes down to people. If we're doing our job right in hiring the right people, I don't even have to worry about it. You know, if I'm, if I'm hiring a jerk that doesn't care about anybody but themselves and couldn't care less if the business survives or not, um, 
then that's on me for hiring the wrong person. And that has nothing to do with them. Take, they're they're going to take advantage of any policy I put in place. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's unlimited time off or, or not. So I think ultimately it comes down to, to hiring the right people. Um, and it also comes down to just, just trust in the relationship. You know, relationships are, are two way and it's about, it's about trusting and living up to your commitments on both sides of, of the relationship. And it's, it's what I tell people. I'm like, you know, there's nothing from a procedural perspective stopping me from, or stopping my employees from taking advantage of that policy. However, what is in place is that my employees know that if they're blatantly taking advantage of something, then they're not going to have that something available to them, meaning they're not going to be working at 33 sticks. And so if they value the relationship, they know that it's, it's a balance. And I think that that has to go both ways. Um, and it's a way to just keep things properly balanced and looking at it, that a relationship is, is two sided. And if any side takes advantage of that, if the employer takes advantage of that relationship and says, well, we said it was going to be unlimited time off, but we're actually never going to approve any of your time off, then the employee is going to leave because they've broken that contract. And, and so it's this balance of everyone saying and doing what they said they were going to do. And when you have that, there's, there's harmony in the workplace. But I, again, I think it starts with making sure you're hiring the right people because you put bad people into a good system. The system's going to look bad. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my response to that. And it's, and it's interesting because it's also the same response I have to people when they ask me how our, how we, how we avoid clients taking advantage of our retainer model. I'm like, it's the same way, you know, they know that this is a two-sided relationship. And if they were to take advantage of that model, that model would disappear for them. So if they Mm -hmm. value that model, they're going to keep things in balance where they're respecting the relationship, just as we're respecting it as well on the flip side of saying, well, what's keeping us from not doing the work and not, you know, doing the bare minimum. Well, we respect the relationship with our clients. And if we were to just do the bare minimum, we wouldn't have that, that relationship. So it's yep. that double-sided respect that keeps these things going and in balance that, that needs to be there. And, and again, it comes down to, you have to work with the right clients. You have to hire the right employees. And then these things have a magical way of just, working out yep and you've got me speechless so (laughs) (laughs) i i I um, do that from time to time yeah you you do that you you have me like i i'm like i don't know how to follow that up i don't know how to pivot that i I mean that's it we don't necessarily need to pivot it right like if that's the conclusion that's it and i don't think it needs to be really any more more complicated than than that yeah no, I, I think that's it. I think we, we, you know, and I think that that's a sign we've, we've tackled this topic for this yeah. time and it, it'll come around again. Like this is always something that's going to be there. And, and, and honestly, I think it, at a higher level, all of this is, is challenging. What God, maybe $200 or $200, 200 year old system yeah. of, you know, 150, 200 year um old system of you train people to come in not think just do what they're told stamp out widgets and they've taken that that physical warehouse model and have now applied it to you know you know applied it to the office of 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 sitting Uh, you sit at the desk and stamp out something for eight hours and if you're not at your desk stamping something out for eight hours you're not productive 
And that's a hundred percent it. And then, and then managers sit around and wonder, why aren't we getting the most out of our employees? It's like, well, you're asking them to work an assembly line. That's what you're asking them to do. If you want them to do something bigger than that, you have to remove those expectations and treat them like something, something more than just an autonomous robot that's stamping out widgets on an assembly line. And they'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. People are capable of doing amazing things, but you have to put them in the right environment. We don't work in we don't work in those environments anymore. We're, we're in yeah. a different, a different realm now. And we have to pivot the way we do things to the fact that we're, we're working in a knowledge industry. Now we have to stop yes. treating it as something other than that. But so many mm-hmm. businesses are just, this is how we've done it for 200 years. We're going to keep doing it. It's like, no, it's not going to work. You can keep trying, but it's clear that it's not working for you. Agreed. So I think that's why this is, this conversation is going to come around time and time again, yeah, because it's challenging um, a model that's been in place for so long and people have just been told like, this is how it is. This is the office. Like you go into the office, you know, you come in at nine and you start working and then you leave at five Yeah, and that's it. Yep. That's exactly right. Fun times and fun to be on the kind of forefront of doing that differently and doing it yeah. what we see as the right way. So yeah. works for us. Yep. It absolutely and does. based on feedback you were telling me you got, it's people are craving it. People are craving it. And I'm glad we can be a voice for a lot of people that are craving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So agreed. Cool. Yep. All right. So we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up there for now and we will catch everybody later. That's good. See you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.